Um, I have the privilege of speaking today. Uh, we just ended a series um, last week, and so I kind of get the one-off where I get to share whatever's on my heart. And I'm really excited about what uh, the Lord put on my heart. It's been something that's been with me for a month or so and didn't know if I'd have the opportunity to share it. So I get to today and I'm looking forward to that. Um, so in light of that, do you guys know we're three Thursdays till Thanksgiving? Nine Fridays till Christmas. Eight Sundays till a new year. Yeah. And one year from today is the next presidential election. Yeah, I went there. So today I want to talk about this. I want to talk about keep your head. The title of my message is keep your head. We're going to be spending all of our time in 2 Timothy, though I'll bounce to some other passages, but it's one of those times where Paul is nearing the end of his life and he writes his last letter to Timothy. And it's one of those things I always thought if I only had one message, the Lord came to me and said, Tom, you got one message left. And I'd, I'd really give that some thought and really work through like, gosh, what, what's, if I could give anything, what would be the best thing? If I only had one moment to, to share with a group of people or my kids or what, what would I do? And to me, this passage in 2 Timothy that we're, we're coming to is, is Paul doing that, nearing the end of his life, and he gives Timothy this charge of his, in case this is the last thing I get to share with you, I want to share this. So let's pick it up in 2 Timothy, starting in chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. Paul says this, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to, stay, to say, excuse me, yeah, to say what their itchy ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge the duties of your ministry. And it's like Paul's saying, Timothy, all these things are going to be going on around you. It's going to get a little crazy, or maybe it will, or maybe it won't. All of this stuff is going on. But he says, but Timothy, you keep your head in all situations. Earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, Paul says to Timothy in the first letter, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths, endless genealogies, such things promote controversial ex or speculations rather than advancing God's worth, work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Again, Paul goes, all this stuff going around you, but keep your head in all situations. You know, it's an interesting thing about him saying, keep your head in all situations. You know, there's different kinds of situations, right? And situations are going to come and go. You can't control situations. You might be able to control the type of situation, right? You're driving through the mountains in your car, and you look ahead, and there's a bear with its cubs crossing the road. That's a situation. Roll down the window and unwrap a Twinkie and hang it out the door? It's a whole different situation, right? That's a created situation. Sometimes I feel like we got so many situations in our present day, don't go out and create other situations, and I think that was part of what Paul was trying to tell Timothy. But keep your head in all situations. You know, I had the time 
to travel to Kenya many years ago, and and it wasn't the most fun trips, crazy things that happened, but we we set out to go and to dedicate some land for a pastor that we knew that was out there, and uh, we got on our plane, flew, started the journey, going across, got to Abu Dhabi, everything was going wonderful, and then when we were in, uh, I can't remember what it's called, just like a waiting area, we we're just hanging out there became a commotion. I could hear people yelling and and it was getting louder and some things were going off and people were getting unsettled. And you get that feeling in your gut like, uh-oh, you know? And so I walked over to where our gate was and there our flight to Kenya said canceled. So people were crowding around the desk, freaking out and yelling all in different languages. I couldn't really tell what was going on. All I know is that next to our flight, it said canceled. So I waited in line, people frustrated and angry, shoving, became a situation until I got up to the front and I said, excuse me, we're supposed to be on that flight. And he goes, yeah, you're not now. And I said, I gathered, what are we gonna do? He goes, so if you give me a moment, we'll put you in a hotel, we'll take care of that and we'll get you on the next available flight. I said, when's the next available flight? And they said, not till tomorrow morning. I said, no other flights, and all the other airlines had shut down for the night. He goes, nope, this was it. There are no other flights out of Abu Dhabi. And I said, okay. So I went to the companion I was traveling with and told him, and he was a little freaking out, like, oh, my gosh, we can't stay here. We ultimately, because of that, we missed the engagement, the service that we were supposed to be at. So they drive us to downtown Abu Dhabi, put us in a hotel. They, they couldn't put us in a hotel right next to the airport. They drove us all the way down to downtown Abu Dhabi. We got in about 2 a.m., we had to be back at six. Let's grab some shut eye. 3 a.m. There's this really loud call to prayer going on. I mean, it, was a lot, it sounded like they were next door in our hotel. I opened the curtain and there's the speaker. I could almost reach out and touch the speaker. <laughs> so I got to hear the call to prayer and the whole prayer time when we're not sleeping now. So then we get to the airport the next day. There's our flight. Everyone's getting in line. We get on the plane and the lady says, there's going to be a little delay. We're waiting for a passenger. I thought that'd be nice if I was the one running behind and someone waited for me. So no problem. So then these, these six really important guys got on and they all had hunting hawks on their arm and they got, and they went to the very back of the plane and sat down. And so we started to take off. And as we're going through the thing, all of a sudden I hear I don't hear Kenya, I hear Dar es Salaam. And I'm like, what's Dar es Salaam? And I stopped the lady and I said, um, we're going to Kenya, right? She said, yes, eventually. Abu Dhabi, Kenya. My flight says we're going to Kenya. She said, yeah, we have to make a stop in Dar es Salaam. So we're going to go past Kenya to Dar es Salaam, yes. Uh, well, we're already, what are you going to say? Stop the plane and get out there on the tarmac. So we take off. And as we go over Kenya, I go by second time. We're going to miss our meeting, right? Go down to Dar es Salaam. We get off. Those six very important people with the hunting hawks get off. That's the whole reason we went to Dar es Salaam. People started getting upset on the plane. I was thinking to myself, can you do that? Can you just go, eh, let's go here. I mean, this, can you do that? And so... As people started to get restless, I started looking around the plane and it got really tense all of a sudden. I'm in a country I've never been in. I, I don't speak the language, all of this. And people started getting tense. And this one guy started freaking out. 
So I'm just sitting there. I don't know what he's saying, but he doesn't look happy. He's not wanting to pass out chocolates or anything. He is mad. I look out the window of our plane and I see about 10 to 12 soldiers with their guns doing like a little march. Not going super fast, but not going slow. They open the door, all of them disperse in the plane, come down the aisles and grab Mr. I'm really upset and take him off the plane, shut the door. We start leaving. I look and there he goes with all those soldiers. I think he's probably still there today. I had pushed my call button to find out, you know, she comes, did you need something? I'm like, no, do you need help? Can I help you in any way? We get to Kenya. We ended up having to wait until someone came to pick us up because the second time they showed up and they went. See, situations happen. But we have a reason and a call, and this is what Paul was telling Timothy, keep your head in all situations. At any point in that trip, I could have lost it. I could have demanded stuff. I could have got upset. I could have stood, stood up and said, you know my rights. I could have done all of this stuff. And it seemed like the people that did, they had a little bit of a different situation on their hands than I did. And when I was preparing for today, I felt like the Lord said, look, guys, we as believers, we who follow the Lord, we have to keep our head in all situations. Whatever is going on around us, whatever situations present themselves, keep your head. Well, the thing I love about this passage is, is Paul doesn't leave it to Timothy to try to figure out, right? Paul tells Timothy, keep your head in all situations. And then he tells him three extremely valuable points. This is what we're going to cover today of how to keep your head in all situations. So you might be asking yourself, how do I keep my head in all situations? Glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. The first one is he tells Timothy to endure hardship. Endure hardship. You know what the difficult thing about hardships are? They're hard, right? He didn't say, oh, endure easy ship. He didn't say endure simple, endure, no, hardship. Why? Because it's difficult. There are things that come that make situations difficult. And hardship can be, sometimes they're small and, and light, and sometimes they're life-changing and difficult. They're hard. That's why they're called hardships. But he gives the challenge to Timothy to endure them. To endure means to hold out against, don't yield to, or to withstand. In other words, don't let the hardship overtake you or push you to a different destination. Instead, endure it. We missed the, the, the service we were supposed to be at twice. Why? Because of the plane change. We had no control over that. I could have flipped out. I could have grabbed another plane home and said, we're not going to do that. Hardships try their darndest to get us to just shift course or to head a different direction. And what Paul tells Timothy is, hey, endure this. Hang on. Hang on to this. The interesting thing is, remember, Paul starts with saying, hey, don't get caught up in the myths and endless genealogies and cult and cult conversational speculations, because those things try to give you a different path than enduring on your hardship. We can get fixated on the hardship rather than on what we're supposed to be doing that the hardship tried to interrupt. Keep your head. Endure hardship. The beautiful thing about this, if Paul is asking Timothy to do this, it's because he has 
the ability to do it. And if God is calling us to endure hardship, no, he's asking you to do something. He's giving you the ability to do, and he knows that you can accomplish it. Hardships come in all different sizes and flavors, but they're all, we all have the ability to endure them. And they're difficult. That's why they're called hardships. I had a, I'll call it an old moment this weekend. I had the opportunity to go hunting with my daughter, Katie, and we were walking back from on, on this piece of property. And um, I call it an old moment, you'll understand in a minute. And I stepped in a hole that was an old stump and it threw me to the right in a tripping like fashion. So I went to catch myself. Normally, when you go to catch yourself, you go, oh, I was so afraid trying to do that. I was going to actually fall today, but that's good. And you go, wow, I almost fell. I went to catch myself and tripped again. And no, though no one did, I felt like someone yelled, timber, and there I went, boom, on the path. I rolled over. Katie didn't know whether to laugh or help me up like a good daughter. And she didn't know if I was wincing, but I was actually laughing uncontrollably. I couldn't believe I just bailed right in front of my daughter on the ground. And then I can't get up because I'm laughing too hard. So she's trying to help me and I'm not saying anything because I'm laughing, no air, no nothing. So I take a moment, I get up, she goes, are you okay? I go, I'm totally fine. Totally fine. I had that moment, something I could do before I couldn't do, that moment of going, wow, I'm a little older than used to be able to catch myself with no problem whatsoever. Got a little caught. It's a light hardship, a little fault. Yeah, my knee hurts, and I, I honestly, I'm really sure it broke my pride. <laughs> Pretty sure. We're called to endure hardship, but the beauty of it is I think what makes enduring hardship the best is that we can never forget whose we are or who we belong to. Because the call and the thing that we're on is greater than the thing that we face. Listen to 2 Corinthians, I love this, 4, 8, right? It says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. The pressures can come in at every angle, but this you can be sure of, you're not crushed. It may feel full of pressure. It may feel tight. You may feel like you're about to crush, but you're not crushed. There's times when we're perplexed, but not in despair. Perplexed of, I don't understand. Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? What? But it doesn't lead us to the place of despair. We could be persecuted, but we're never persecuted and abandoned. You're persecuted, but not abandoned. You could be struck down or fall on a road. Sorry struck down, but not destroyed. There is an element of pressure or hardship or difficulty, but we have truth in the word going, yeah, but it doesn't end there. We have to remember whose we are and who we belong to because every hardship that we go through, our God is bigger. Even the difficult ones, even the ones you face, you go, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I can't see past this hardship. Remember, we're pressed, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or 
hardship. No. Verse 37, no, and all things more than conquerors. See, you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. The Spirit of God lives in us, and that's how we endure hardship. Because we know who we are, and we know whose we are. James 5 says it this way, If any of you, if anyone among you is in trouble or hardship, let them pray. That sounds so simple. We have the truth of God's Word saying, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And you've been made righteous because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Your prayers, powerful and effective. That means that any hardship you face, you can reach out to the Lord who's going to help you navigate through them. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but you can endure it. You can get through it. So not only endure hardship, what do we need to do to keep our head in all situations? He says is do the work of an evangelist. So point two, share your journey to Jesus. Paul says, share your journey to Jesus. I love this one because there's something that happens when I share my testimony, when I tell somebody about what Jesus has done in my life, that everything else, hardships, circumstances, what I'm facing, the difficulty of my day, my financial situation, whatever, it just, it just fades away. And what I'm presented with is how good Jesus is and me meeting him. Can I take you on a journey real quick through remembrance? Because I think remembrance is huge. Do you, do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? Can you remember back to that moment? Can you remember who was in the room? You remember who helped you? I remember specifically when I gave my life to Jesus. I remember knocking on Mike Eggie's door, the guy who led me to the Lord, and going, hey, remember you told me that one day I was going to accept Jesus? I want to talk to you more about that. And in his living room with his whole family already in bed, and he was in bed too, he shared the truth of Jesus, and I gave my life to him and accepted him. Do you remember that moment when he accepted Jesus? Do you remember a life-changing revelation that Jesus gave you? A truth in his word that came alive, that became a part of who you were? A message that someone spoke, but a truth in scripture that today you still bring as a sword to battle against something that the enemy may do or a situation that you may face. Do you remember giants that he's laid waste in your path? Do you remember the first giant he cut down in your life? I do. Do you remember Jesus coming to your aid? Do you remember the first time you shared your faith with somebody? Have you ever led someone to Jesus? Do you remember that moment? You remember the first time you saw the supernatural power of the living God? I remember we were praying for people, and we prayed for a woman who had cancer, visible cancer right here. And she said, would you please pray that God heals us? We said, yeah, we prayed for her. Still there. Prayed for her again, still there. She went home. The next morning she got up, she looked in the mirror, it was gone. Tell. So, I remember being in a meeting, I've shared this before, I remember being in a meeting with a guy who I discipled who was in a crazy car accident. They didn't expect him to live. And he could barely see out of one eye and he was in a wheelchair, couldn't walk, needed help wherever he went. We were at a meeting and a guy got off, a guest speaker got off and said, what's wrong with you? 
his friend had pushed him up to the front and he said, I can't walk. He couldn't even see that he got pushed up to the front. And he opened the wheelchair up and he said, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he stood up and he started to walk in front. The place I was at went nuts, literally nuts. And he started to stumble. People go to catch him. He said, don't touch him. And he went back and forth. And then the next Sunday, he walked into service for the very first time. See, when we take when we take time to remember the stories and the things that Jesus did and we've experienced, all of a sudden, all of the hardship, distractions, and the stuff that we face, they, they sizzle out into the, into the nothingness. Why we need to share our faith is it brings you back to that place of remembering who he is and who you are in him. People are getting baptized today because someone stepped out and shared their faith, and as a result, they gave their life to Jesus, and now they're going, hey, I want to be baptized. Whether it was a long time ago or it was really recent. But taking that moment to share our journey brings us into that place. I love this. First Peter 3 says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. People are looking for hope. I don't know about you. When I think back of when I gave my life to Jesus, I was looking for hope. And I wasn't finding it in anything I was looking at. I was coming up short every single time. And in the back of my head was Mike Eggie going, you know, one day you're going to give your life to Jesus, and I'm going to be the one that leads you to that. And I literally looked at him and I go, fat chance. But it nagged at me because someone said, I know the hope you need. And I kept looking and I kept looking and I couldn't find it and I couldn't find it. And then he said, this is where you're going to find it. So when I needed it, that's where I went. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope. Church, we've got hope. Amazing hope to endure Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and next year, and then some. We've got the answer. We've got hope. So Paul says endure hardship. He also says to share your journey to Jesus. And then lastly, he says to discharge the duties of your ministry. And I want to call number three, finish strong. Finish strong. It's the beginning of November. We've got two months left. I don't know what kind of year you've had. It could be really difficult. Finish strong. Maybe it's been a great year. It's been just amazing. Finish strong. See, what he tells Paul in a nutshell when he says to discharge the duties of your ministry, he goes, fulfill everything that you've been called to. Do everything that you've been called to. Don't allow situations to get the best of you, Timothy. Don't allow the other stuff that's trying to distract to grab hold of what you're called to. And instead, finish strong. And to us, as we're nearing the end of a year, that could be kind of crazy. As we're coming into a new year, guys, finish strong. Everything you need to accomplish what's before you, you have in Christ Jesus. I'm going to share a little story because and this is simple, but I, I mentioned that Katie and I got to go hunting this week. And if you're not a hunter, I apologize. Something I love to do. So we went on a piece of property that I own and got to this one area, decided I love nature, I love all of that stuff, and probably the biggest buck of my life walked out with a bunch of other does, and I was like, oh my goodness, I've been waiting for this moment. 
Sounds like a song, doesn't it? We, yeah. You'll never hear me do that again. <laughs> I had a small window of opportunity and it stepped into it. I, I fired and missed. They all run away, night comes, thinking about it the whole time. Next morning we go, I said, all right, Katie, you, you take this one. Deer comes in, Katie takes a shot, missed. The same deer, doesn't know better, comes around again, makes a big circle, Katie gets another shot, missed. I think our confidence is pretty low at this point. Check the gun, check our stuff. We get back the next morning. Katie waits patiently, has an opportunity, and is able to take, take a deer. Do you know how easy along the process it would have been to just give up? It's called hunting because it's not go catch it. It's not called catching or picking up because it's right there. You just pick it up. No, it's hunting because it's hard. It takes time. You have to be, I don't want to go through the whole thing. But we endured through the process so that we could achieve what we did. I, I'm, a, I'm a grocery hunter, so I don't eat horns. Whatever, if it, we put it in the freezer, then great. That's the way we do it. But we finished strong. We stuck it out. So 1130 last night, we're driving home from the property, laughing and talking about the scenario. But you know what? to me is, is more of the amazing thing is the opportunity that I had to spend a few days with my daughter to whisper back and forth for hours because you're just sitting out there hoping and waiting, right? Finish strong, guys. Each one of us, different life, different situation, different circumstance, different path, different heading, but all of us together have the same God have the same Holy Spirit, and we're called to the same things. Finish strong. Don't let hardship keep you from finishing this year out strong. Don't let situations or circumstances get in the way and pull you aside. Finish strong. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Finish strong. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So how do we keep our head in all situations? We endure hardship. We share our journey to Jesus with others. And we finish strong. Do that to the end of this year and carry it into next year. I believe the church is going to have unbelievable opportunity through this year and into next to be who we're called to be, to walk in the way we're called to walk in, to bring the light of Jesus to every place we are. You know, the beauty of it too is there's people that I get to influence that you never will, and there's people you get to influence that I never will. You get to be a light to people that I would never have the opportunity to. And I do as well. But all of us collectively, gosh, we could share a bright light throughout this whole city to the people that we come in contact with. Because the hope that they're looking for, you have. 
because Jesus is in you. Let him use you to share that. Amen? So I want to close with this today. I'm just going to, we're going to go to a time of uh, an attitude of prayer. Actually, let's just do that. Let's pray.